our mini series continues with an exploration into motivation to relocate and teach internationally. We're talking to several international educators to examine how careers, interests and values have been shaped by decisions to teach abroad. We look at the positives of teaching internationally, as well as the challenges our educators have experienced along the way. We are delighted to be speaking to David Berridge today, an experienced IB coordinator and long-standing head of the British School of Costa Rica. Welcome, David. It's great to have you with us today. Thank you very much, Claire. Thank you for the invitation. You're very welcome. Um, so I wanted to start by asking you about what motivated you to move from the UK to your first international position in Costa Rica. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think there were probably both push factors and pull factors for me in terms of wanting to get into international education. Um, I'd been working in the UK for a couple of years and I was, I was feeling very demotivated in general working in with the British National Curriculum. And I think probably my frustration stemmed around the fact that there was, I was being asked to follow a one-size-fits-all model in that, you know, we're teaching big classrooms, there's a lot of focus on behaviour management. Mm -hmm. And already, even though I was very early into my teaching career, I had this real belief in all students have different learning needs, they have different interests, different passions. And I wanted to be a teacher that was able to meet those different needs, interests mm -hmm. and passions. And I felt that in the structure that I was working in, in the UK, didn't really allow me those sort of opportunities because so much of my time was taken up with sort of bureaucratic processes, which I felt had fairly limited utility. Mm. And, you know, I had class sizes of 35, 36 students, which meant that I couldn't give a great deal of personalized attention yeah. to each of the students and so forth. And so I, both of my brothers had worked internationally. So I knew that there were many different ways in which the education could be delivered. And I guess the, the pull factor for me was that I was in my early 20s. I didn't have a relationship. I didn't have any financial issues. So to be quite honest, I think I was in search of an adventure a little bit, just to get out there and see the world a little bit. Um, I landed on Costa Rica, but that was pure chance. You know, I basically, once I made the decision to look overseas, I applied for every international teaching job that was available. And so it could have been Costa Rica. I applied to jobs in Japan. There was one in Tanzania, one in New Zealand. There was one in Dubai. And I made the decision that I was going to accept the first one who offered me the post. And that happened to be Costa Rica. Wow. Uh, so that kind of stands out to me. Um, Costa Rica above other places, just because it was the first that offered you that position. Yeah, it was pure chance. It could have been anywhere. If I'm being very honest, I didn't know exactly where Costa Rica was. I knew it was south of Mexico and that it was north of sort of Colombia, Venezuela, but I wasn't entirely sure exactly where it was. And I think that was part of the adventure of it all, to just mm. go off. I told my mom I'll be gone for two years and I'll be back. It's now 20 years later and I'm still here in Costa Rica. I have lived in some other countries and worked in some other countries in the meantime in Italy and Croatia and a few others. But what I found, I, I found in Costa Rica was exactly what I was looking for. So how have your experiences of teaching in Costa Rica compared to your practice in the UK? It's a very different experience. I, I've worked in a couple of different schools here in Costa Rica, but also internationally as well. And I think there are similarities. You know, students are the same the world over in many different ways. 
But I think from a teaching perspective, what I've greatly valued about working in international schools is that you tend to get a great deal more freedom in terms of how you deliver teaching and learning within the classroom. I've had the opportunity, many more opportunities to try things. Mm -hmm. Some of them have worked, some of them have not worked, but it's been a great learning experience. And I think all of those experiences have shaped the educator that I am today. Mm. And I think probably another thing that I greatly value from working in international, international education is that you get far greater exposure to diversity. Um, what springs to mind when you ask this question, I once taught a class at a different school from the one I'm in at the moment, but I had 18 students from 18 different countries in wow. the class. And I was teaching the causes of World War One. And in the class, we had a student from Germany, a student from France, a student from Russia, a student from the US, all of us discussing why World War One occurred, which mm. is a, a supremely complex topic. But it was such a wonderful learning experience for all of us. It really, for me included, you know, yeah. I was most of that class I, I spent listening to the students as they mm. share different, uh, different perspectives. So I think one of the perhaps big differences I personally experienced is that exposure to different, to, to range of diversity in terms mm. of cultural expectations and beliefs and opinions and realities. And I think ultimately that's a really great aspect of international education mm. because it really enriches, you know, the learning experience for all involved. I think probably the last thing I would say as well, I mean, this is probably a, a fairly obvious one. Intash education tends to be less standardized. And in most of the schools that I work, they're far less bureaucratic processes than I experienced in the UK. So there's less of a focus on paperwork. Mm -hmm. I've also greatly appreciated that there's a lot more focus on teaching and learning and less mm -hmm. of a need to have you know, classroom management, behavior management strategies at all mm -hmm. times. And that must lead to so much more autonomy for you as a as a practitioner to explore different pedagogy methods, strategies in the classroom. That must be really liberating and, and it helps you develop your practice further. I agree. I'm a huge proponent of personalised learning, but I think that that's, you know, we want to meet the learning needs, interests of our students. But I think that's equally true of our staff members. Mm. You know, teachers have different strengths, different interests. They want to use different methodologies. Yeah. And I have certainly from my career, my experiences, I've greatly appreciated the opportunity to go off in different directions and try things yeah. that, you know, might be a little bit more radical. But, you know, if they work, they can result in incredible levels of engagement. Yes. And active participation for the students. So that that's okay. something I very much appreciated throughout my career. Yeah, you'll get those moments where students say, well, I remember when a teacher did this, you know, something that was a little bit um, different and it, it does. And those lessons ultimately kind of stick in the in the mind of um, of students as well. Don't they? I remember teachers who who would, you know, do pieces that were slightly off the wall, but it's something that always then I can pull that back as a really interesting and fun lesson. And I remember um, some lessons from when I was younger where where educators had that freedom and so, yeah, I think that that's something that, that is really important. I just want to jump back as well to one thing that you said earlier about that lesson with lots of different um, uh, students within the lesson where you're teaching a topic which potentially could be, well, you know, is a, a sensitive topic to talk about with lots of different nationalities in the room. How did you manage that? Yeah, it was a, a tremendous learning experience for me, mm. this one, Claire. And I refer to it a lot now when I talk to my staff. Yeah. Because I had my lesson prepared. Like all good teachers, I had my yes. lesson prepared and I knew what I was going to do. 
And about 15 minutes into the class, one of my students, she was a Russian girl, Maria, put up her name and said, Dave, I don't think what you're telling us is correct. And it, I'll be very honest, it shocked me. It was sort yeah. of like, okay, I, I'm the teacher here, you're a student, mm. what's going on? And it really made me reflect on my discipline of history, but also what education is. Mm. And I came to the realization that history is very much a perspective. You know, it's different people's opinions. Mm -hmm. What one people may think of some of a particular event may be different from somebody else's. Mm -hmm. As we say, or as I talk to my students now, it's his story or her story of events. And so what I ended up doing over the next two weeks, we had different students do mini presentations on their understanding as to what the cause of World War I was. So we heard from the student from Russia, the student from Italy, the student from Germany, mm. and realized that we'd all been taught very different things about the same topic. Mm. And there was no judgment. The idea was we'll listen to different perspectives, we'll look at the evidence, and then each student, I invited them to form their own conclusions as to what they believed. So I think for all of us, myself being included, probably myself more than even the students, it was a tremendous learning experience to, yes. you know, to be have that diversity and have that opportunity. I changed everything. My plans were out the window within 15 minutes of that first class. Yes. The whole topic, you know, how I was going to teach it changed completely. Yeah. And it changed me both as a teacher and as a person. You know, it, it sort of rock my beliefs a little bit in terms of okay maybe I need to reflect and rethink some of the things which I just assumed were correct because I'd been taught these by a teacher previously. Yeah uh, what a fantastic insight uh, I mean changing gears slightly then uh, how have your interests teaching internationally driven your career path and your interests? Yeah I think probably Maybe the biggest influence in that regard is working with the International Baccalaureate, the IB. Mm -hmm. And so when I first came to Costa Rica, I was new to the IB. I was, I'd been working with GCSEs, A-levels in the UK, the national curriculum. And, you know, I think that that curriculum is functional and it, it's absolutely fine, but it doesn't provide a lot of opportunities for students to explore different areas and to, you know, look at areas of interest that they might wish to pursue mm. and so when I started engaging with the IB curriculum and there's a great deal of choice for students for example in all subject areas they do internal assessments on topics of their choice mm. they do an extended essay in any subject area 4,000 word mini thesis in any subject area on a topic that they would like to explore mm. and from an educator I thought this was fantastic from the educational perspective that this wasn't education done to students, it was education collaboratively created with the students. And I became very passionate about making sure that I, as the teacher, was working with the students to create the best learning experiences for them possible. Mm. So what I would do with my IB classes at the start of the curriculum, at the start of the year, sorry, is that we would plan the curriculum. Mm. So I'd say, you know, we need to cover a civil war. Which civil war do we as a class want to cover? And, you know, I taught things that I had never studied before and we were learning together. You know, we, the students wanted to know more about the Middle East. So we did the Iran-Iraq war. Yes. They, they want, they didn't, when we were looking at dictators, they didn't want to do your Hitlers and Stalins. Mm. So we ended up doing Julius Nereri from Tanzania because it was something that they thought, let's learn about someone we've never learned about before. And so I think the flexibility that the IB curriculum provides mm. really aligned well with what I believe as an educator 
and that very much you know along the lines of personalized learning but giving students voice and choice in their learning you know at the end of the day our job is to facilitate excellent learning experiences for students so it doesn't make sense to me that they don't have an input into mm. what those learning experiences will be so I think that was a huge shaper in terms of you know how I've developed yes and then when I moved into leadership that's been a very motivating factor in mm. terms of what I believe good education looks like so uh, you know that sense of collaboration doesn't that make so much more sense that students have that voice in their own in their own curriculum you know they have the guidelines but they have choice and and that freedom to to make those choices themselves to really feel a part of it and engaged in in the topics I, I really love that approach yeah I, it's something I passionately believe Claire that gone are the days where it's a one-size-fits-all mm -hmm. educational model with the teacher standing at the front they deliver the content the mm. student memorizes it and then regurgitates it in an exam and then forgets about it two weeks later mm. I talk to my staff frequently you could have 20 different students in the class They've all had 20 different types of breakfast. You know, some have had pancakes, some have had cereals, some have had mm. oatmeal. But then as soon as they get into school, we're all doing, making them do exactly the same thing. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. They have different personalities. They have different strengths. They have different weaknesses, different interests, different learning needs, different ways of learning. Mm. And so we need to be adaptable enough and flexible enough to be able to accommodate as many of those variances as possible. Mm. Because when we do that, we'll get higher levels of engagement, we'll get higher levels of interest, we'll be able to develop those key skills mm. you know, related to lifelong learning in particular, um, so that every student gets the most out of their education. Yeah, what a great analogy. I like that. <laughs> um, so what challenges then, you've talked about some fantastic plus points what challenges have you experienced in an international setting yeah I, th I think probably the word challenge often has a negative connotation but I, I think challenges in many ways are very positive and I think mm. probably the example I gave about the history classroom there are very different cultural expectations yes. you know, that is a reality you know as someone who was born in the UK and lived his entire childhood up to the age of 22 in the UK mm. you know I had fixed ways of doing things and what I believed was correct. And then living in different countries, you realize that there are lots of other ways of doing things. Mm. Um, a couple of examples that I could give you from Costa Rica is one, uh, it's called here Tico time, but what, it, what that roughly translates to is that time can be a little bit more fluid than what I was used to in the UK. Mm. You know, if you say, let's meet at 9.30, in here, that could mean, okay, we'll get there at 9.40, 9.45. Mm. And that was very frustrating for me, you know, when I was starting my career, I seemed like this is disrespectful. Mm. But then you realize that's one of the cultural realities that exists within Costa Rican society. Yeah. Similarly, Latinos in general are very talkative. And so you can be in meetings and, you know, there's different groups talking to each other. And you say, then why are you not listening? Mm. This is part of that cultural reality where certain, you know, Latinos, they're talking to each other about whatever the topic of the meeting is. And it's not in any way disrespectful, but it is different from the cultural realities that I was used to. Mm. So I think one challenge, you know, when you're exposed to a lot of different cultures, different religions, different perspectives, some of which you naturally agree with, some of which you may not agree with. Mm. But the challenge is in managing them and turning them into positive learning experiences for everybody involved. And that, that has been true in each of the different countries that I've worked in. 
In addition, I think probably another one, I've worked in multilingual environments. And so you're forever working with translations and making sure that things are not lost in translation. Mm -hmm. And invariably, from time to time, things will get lost in translation. You know, I can send an email in English and you include the translation in Spanish. And grammatically, it's correct, but the meaning yeah. is very different. And that's something you need to be very aware of. Mm. And maybe probably the, the other challenge, which I think most international teachers would tell you, you do miss things. There is, you know, I believe working internationally is amazing. And I would recommend it for everybody to, to if they get the opportunity to participate in it. But it does come at a cost, you know, that you are away from your family, you are away from your friends. Mm. And that is something that can be challenging, particularly, you know, say, for example, the recent COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. You felt, I felt a lot longer, I felt, felt a lot further away from home during then because you didn't have the opportunity to go home and spend time with your loved ones. Mm. Um, so I think probably those are the, the main challenges that I've experienced. Yeah, you've talked about um, some of your, uh, some of the amazing things that you've learned then in your classroom practice in terms of opportunities and uh, things that come up in class, as well as then some of those challenges. How have all of these experiences shaped your values as a head? That's a big question. Yes. Um, I genuinely believe, Claire, that we're always learning. And, mm. and that's something, that's a mantra that we use within the school. I use the phrase learning community a lot. I'm head of school. I've been head of school for the last 10 years, but I'm learning as much as everybody else. The three-year-old who enters our early years one program, you know, we all have that responsibility mm. to learn from our experiences because we're products of our experience. And so my values are, are always changing based on the experiences. Mm. And I think that that's very important. Mm. I think it's very important that we take the time to analyze, reflect all the time on our decisions and our actions to ensure that we are providing our students with the best teaching and learning experiences possible. Mm. And so I think I've been very fortunate to work in a number of different settings and gain experiences of different curricula. I also do a lot of work in international school accreditation. So I'm very fortunate that I can, I've visited schools in over 10 different countries. And so you can go and see how things are done. You know, it could be different policies or different procedures or different approaches. And I think it's incumbent on all leaders to be looking at how you can continue to make improvements in all areas of how your learning institution is managed. And so we're striving for excellence, and I refer to my staff frequently, we'll never achieve it. We'll never get to that point of we are where we want to be. Mm. And I think that it's important to recognize that from the start, because when we get to where we want to be at the moment, then we'll set new targets and yes. we'll move forward. And that, I think, should be true to every individual as it is to us as a school. Yeah, that's really good insight, I think, into what it is to be an educator, isn't it? Is to always be striving to improve and, and keep up with, you know, updates in terms of educational research, in terms of what's going on in the real world, um, developments in technology. It's all about kind of that striving, isn't it, to be better and provide the best for, for our learners. Absolutely. I, I use two words a lot here in terms of our daily interactions in the school, relevance and impact. Mm. You know, we need to make sure that the learning experience our students get have real world relevance, but also that they must have impact. Mm. We talk a lot about it's great having, let's say, a language policy. You've got a language policy. That's great. 
But what's important is what is the impact of that language policy? And how are we measuring that? How are we ensuring that our students have the students have the language skills they need to be able to fulfill their potential in whatever they would like to do moving forward? So I think those two words are very important drivers in terms of what schools do on a daily basis. Mm. So ultimately, what does the future look like for the British School of Costa Rica? Yeah, that, well, I think we're in a very exciting time, I have to say, because we we introduced a few years ago, we introduced a new pedagogical model based on personalised learning. Mm -hmm. So all students at our school have the opportunity to have voice or choice in what they learn, how they learn and how they represent their learning. Mm -hmm. So it's not 100% of the time because there are times when you need to have perhaps a more traditional method of learning but it is changing the learning dynamic that we have in the school. As I mentioned earlier, I think our students have gone from passive, being passive recipients mm. of their learning experience to be co-creators and collaborators in defining and designing what their learning experience looks like. And so we're bringing lots of different things like passion projects, for example, mm. where students can identify topics that they would like to explore and then define how they want to present it to the community. And so from the pedagogical perspective, this is a very exciting time for us. And from an infrastructural perspective, it's equally exciting because we have plans in the next couple of years to, a new, to move to a new purpose-built campus, which is four times the size of our existing campus, wow. and is entirely based on agile learning environments. And so we're not going to have the traditional classroom setup. We're going to have learning environments which mm -hmm. can be moved you know, from period to period almost to meet the needs of the learning activity. And this is, you know, this is pushing boundaries, particularly here in Costa Rica where mm -hmm. there's nothing that looks like this. But the, this concept of making sure we meet the needs of our students, mm -hmm. that needs to be shown through the curriculum, it needs to be shown through the teaching approach, but also through the infrastructure. And so we're designing this, we're prototyping a few of these approaches at the moment in our existing campus of having these big learning spaces that can be used and moved around to meet the learning needs on that day. And so we're very excited. You know, five years from now, we're going to look like a completely different school from the one we are at the moment. And the hope and the expectation and what we're working towards is that we have students who are co-creators of that learning experience, who are engaged, who are interested in education and exploring their passions and developing their strengths so that ultimately when they leave us they have everything they need to go on to do whatever they want in the world and fulfill their potential so we're very excited about the future yeah what an exciting time uh, and overall the main theme that kind of drives through everything that you're saying is how student focused you are um, and it's so lovely to hear how how your leadership, how you're focused on kind of students being at the forefront of their choice and, and collaboration and how you're how you're taking that approach with your with your staff as well um, and with your colleagues. It was a really, really interesting discussion. Thank you so much for your time. I just wanted to finish today by asking you um, a few quick fire questions. Uh, so what do you think uh, in person or remote learning? Can I only choose one of the two? I mean, I, I think both. approach? 
Well, I think both because they're again referring back to student-centered learning. Mm. There are students who prefer in-person learning. We have students who prefer virtual learning. Yeah. And so again, if we are trying to meet the needs of our students, we need to find what works best for them. Mm -hmm. Noisy or quiet classrooms? Oh, definitely noisy. <laughs> yes, I like that answer. That was that was always uh, my preference as well. Though I used to work next to somebody in my last school who was very quiet, so it was quite noticeable that my my classroom would be noisy. <laughs> Your favorite subject? Oh, that's that's a question. <laughs> so I'm currently teaching physical education. Mm -hmm. uh, in my career, I've taught economics, geography, business management, English, maths. But I would say from a teaching and learning perspective, definitely history. Yeah. I, I think teachers are effectively storytellers. You mm. know, I saw every lesson as the start of today's story. Mm. And you know, we're performers and we are telling that story. And history allows so many opportunities for creativity. You know, whether I would be going into the classes, you know, dressed up as a character from history or we do mm. sitting or debates or discussion, whatever it may be. So I think, yeah, from a teaching and learning perspective, history would definitely be my favourite. Yeah. Um, student sports day or student results day? Well, as a physical education teacher, I have to say student sports day. Yeah. Um, I do think it, this is perhaps not the intent of the question, but I think... Mm -hmm. I understand why there is so much focus on results day. You mm -hmm. know, the current structure as it is, particularly with universities requiring a certain achievement level mm -hmm. to grant admissions to universities. But I think most educators would agree formative assessment is much more important than summative assessment. Mm -hmm. Learning is an ongoing process. It shouldn't okay. end at a particular point with a particular grade. It should mm -hmm. be a continual process. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why I like sports day as a celebration of, okay, let's get together and enjoy and play and continue to develop as learners. Yeah. Uh, love of subject or love of teaching? Love of teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you think, I, I mean, imagine you in your position at the moment, that's obviously kind of testament to your love of teaching and, and where you are now is, is kind of an accumulation of, of your passion for teaching and inspiring other teachers as well. Well, I still, it's an interesting question, Beck, because when people ask what I do, I still describe myself as a teacher. Mm. I would never describe myself as a headmaster or mm. a director or anything like that. Because that's what I am. I'm yeah. a teacher with additional responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And perhaps my school and my colleagues won't be so happy to hear me say this, but the happiest I am every week is my physical education classes. You know, that, yeah. That's the thing that I enjoy the most during my working week mm -hmm. when I'm working one on one with the students or engaging in active learning activities. Mm -hmm. you know, that's the thing that I probably enjoy the most every yeah. week. Okay, and then finally, uh, what advice would you give to somebody who is considering a, a career in international education? There's probably a lot of advice I could give, but I think one piece of advice that I would give to anybody who's embarking in a career in international education is to go into it with an open mind. It will likely be very different from the reality that you've experienced up till now in your career. Mm -hmm. And you'll probably encounter things that you like, but there'll probably be things that you'll encounter which you don't like as well. 
And the important thing is to always place that in context. In the bigger, this is a learning experience for you as a professional. It's an opportunity to develop. It's an opportunity to grow. You know, rather than see things as negative, see them as opportunities, see them as challenges, so that you can continue to develop. I've taken something from every school that I've worked in, from every student that I've worked with. You know, and I think that that's a very important thing to have in your mind. That these are all experiences. You know, that that's what we're here. I think that's what we're on this planet for to have those experiences in life and to make the most of them. So I think probably above all, that's the one piece of advice I would give to to people embarking in such education to go into it with an open mind. Yeah, some fantastic advice. Thank you so much for your time today, David.